If you're a veteran, a military spouse of an early stage startup or small business, you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. One of the many goals I have for this podcast is to consistently empower the Bunker community with opportunities and resources for veterans and military spouse entrepreneurs. So for this episode of The Transition, I sat down with Megan Ogilvie, CEO of Dog Tag Inc., a 501c3 nonprofit organization that empowers service-disabled veterans, military spouses, and caregivers through an innovative five-month fellowship program. Many entrepreneurs within the Bunker Lab ecosystem have participated in the Dog Tag Fellowship, including former Veterans and Residence alumni Aaron Roth from Mrs. Joe's Petite Suites. The fellowship program combines equal parts classroom, bakery, community, and well-being. Dog Tag Fellows earn a Certificate of Business Administration from Georgetown University, bringing their coursework to life by learning the ins and outs of running a successful business in their legendary D.C. bakery while simultaneously building community with each other and enhancing their well-being by committing time to introspection, storytelling, and personal growth. Megan and I talk about the origin story of Dog Tag Inc., some of the challenges of running the program, and how Dog Tag plans to continue supporting the veteran and military spouse entrepreneur ecosystem. Whether you're interested in applying to the program or not, this is a great episode to learn behind the scenes of what it takes to run a successful social enterprise, build community, and create long-term sustainable impact. This episode of The Transition is brought to us by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. I have a personal ask for all of you that are listening today, and I want you to commit to sharing this show with at least one veteran entrepreneur or military spouse that you come across. My goal is impact 10,000 veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses, and this is such an audacious task that I can't do it alone. So if you could help me get the word out, I'd greatly appreciate it. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that it accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Megan, welcome to the bunker. <laughs> it's great to be here. It's great to be here, especially with you, Mike, for sure. How is it in lovely uh, D.C.? Uh, you know what? We're battling the the normal humidity, uh, but no, things are things are going things are going well here for sure. We just launched cohort fourteen last week. Uh, we're rocking and rolling. So to be honest with you, it's uh, no complaints and excited for what's to come. Congratulations! How about know, you? Congratulations! I know how hard and challenging that's been. You know, given COVID and you know the new normal, all this yeah. other stuff. So uh, kudos to you and your team. Me, I'm great. I get to talk to you. Get to serve the veteran and military spouse entrepreneurial community. So by all accounts, I, I feel like I'm winning. I got no Love complaints. It. So how about you take a moment and uh, introduce yourself to the Bunker community and Absolutely. tell them a little bit about what Dog Tag Bakery is. Absolutely. So um, again, my name is Megan Ogilvie. I'm the CEO for Dog Tag here in Washington, D.C. So uh, what we've created here is an organization that's based on really uh, veterans that have service-connected disabilities, military spouses, and military caregivers. 
and giving them the time and space to really redefine what does it mean to have purpose and how do we redefine community now as we transition out of the military and, and into the future of, of what you want you know, moving on and moving forward with. So we create a five-month fellowship program that we incorporate five different areas. Um, it's an academic area, so we partner with Georgetown University. So our fellows go through uh, different courses, you know, pass-fail, in which once they, you know, graduate and they earn a certificate in business administration from Georgetown School of Continuing Studies, so tangible result, you put the work in, you put the time, you know, something that can have a direct impact on your, your job prospects or even just your own, you know, background knowledge of business and starting uh, to move forward on that. We have um, experiential learning because we know as adults, we are experiential learners. I know for myself, uh, there's a book to read or there's a, you know, a, be thrown to the wolves any day i'd rather go you know jump right into the wolves and learn boots on the ground so we use our bakery as this living business school so our fellows get to understand business cases that we actually you know deal with on a daily basis of navigating different challenges of um of running a business as well as a nonprofit. we have learning lab partners so actually bunker is one of ours that we've both visited physically we've been to the the local one here in dc and informally um that was in alexandria um, but the goal is that we bring in entrepreneurs, small business and corporations, um, foundations as well to do personal professional development. We have a capstone where you have to build your business plan um, and then present it. And then we have a whole fifth. Our fifth element is wellness. It's kind of what we call our wraparound services. It's the it's the cement between the bricks, if you will. So it's great to have a great business idea or job prospects. But if you don't care, take care of your health, um, your you know mind, body and soul, it's all a moot point. So we, we incorporate, um, you know, a significant amount of wellness time um, and just managing stress, um, you know, tools and tactics to be able to uh, do, you know, ch- you know, yoga in the, in the chair, breathing exercises or journaling and reflection. We also have a course called Finding Your Voice. Um, so it's really incorporating the ability of really finding, you know, finding the time and space, like we usually say, just to what is your story? Um, and allowing you know your voice to be heard and you to tell a story so no one else tells it for you. So that all enca- encapsulates five months, over 500 hours of our program that our fellows, you know, we, we believe could be to help build sustainable change, boots on the ground. Um, so we started in 2014 with our pilot. And just last Tuesday, we launched cohort 14. Um, in DC. So we're, uh, we're now virtual because of, because of COVID, but it's the, it's the right model for us right now. And uh, we're really proud of, of those that have graduated and we're super motivated and inspired by those that have just come in. So, so really, we're, we're doing well. I'm really happy you mentioned the wellness thing, because I'll tell you, a lot of our listeners are kind of asking for that, you know, yeah. the stress of life in general, and then you want to throw entrepreneurship in there and people got families and all this other stuff. And yeah. uh, I'm seeing more and more of that pop up with curriculums. You know, people are bringing in yoga teachers and meditation experts and breathing experts. Um, and it just goes to show how, like, you know, you can't perform at your best if you're not taking care of yourself. And I'll tell you, one of my core values for my company, Ironbound Media, is protect the asset. That means making sure we're taking care of ourselves mentally, physically and spiritually so we can uh, show up on the field at play as best we can. You know, it's the truth. I think um, I think. COVID, um, you know, a silver lining might be that, you know, mental health became so much more prominent in day-to-day conversation and culture, especially in building a team and working in an organization that everyone worked remotely. But, you know, I think this is just this stigma that we really have to take out because 
um, you know, we talk about resilience building or all this other aspects of, you know, how to become strong and the mental toughness. You could talk to any, you know, any athlete or any professional athlete. You can talk to any service like the mental toughness isn't just about like staying strong and, and bearing it deep. It's actually about the opposite. Right. It's really allowing yourself to be vulnerable to the opportunities that are ahead of you, not knowing the answers, but willing to figure them out. And that can be stressful. So it can both be exciting and stressful at the same time, and both are right. But if you don't have the right tools to navigate it, right, then you kind of, it's analysis paralysis that happens, or you shut down by the overwhelmingness or whatever it might be. So, you know, again, it becomes a definition of crazy at times for all of us. And I'm, again, I'm part of this. I'm very focused on my own mental health and wellness. Um, but if, you know, we continue to do the same thing over and over, you know, whether it's take a job that becomes, you know, you, you're excited about, but then you just start working to the grind and you lose this, this balance of taking care of yourself. If it's a business idea, you'll go continuous or a relationship. You'll go from one thing to the next, the same thing that you haven't stepped back and actually asked, like, what do I want? How can I be successful? How do I take care of myself? How do I fill my cup? You know, it's not just by sitting and watching Netflix. Maybe that's helpful every once in a while. Um, but sitting down and saying, recognize instead of doing Netflix, like, I know I need to go for a walk. And that's something you do for yourself. That's only going to make you more successful in the ways that you want to be successful. And I think that's just something we have to keep holding ourselves accountable, but also having, you know, accountability, for, you know, partners out there that can also hold us accountable to that. So, you know, I think mental health is is becoming more and more prominent in, in recognizing it's not, it's not, uh, you know, an excuse. If anything, it's actually one of the, the core tenets, as you mentioned, as any successful individual company organization. I'll tell you today, I was writing a newsletter and I was getting stressed <laughs> out because I was like, man, I got to finish this thing. And I put it on my list to get it done. And I was I had a point where, like, I was having some brain fog. And you know what happens when you start to lose those small wins? You lose yeah. confidence. Yeah. Right. So instead of, like, closing the laptop and walking away, I grab my cup of coffee from a little coffee shop. Put my headphones in, listen to a podcast for about 15 minutes, then got set out and cranked out the rest. You know, yeah. the little stuff that we learned, such as even getting out your apartment. You know, for those of you that are working at home, you know, yeah. the importance of space, you know, and finding environments where, you know, they, they kind of relax you, you know. Right. Yeah. That filling your own, that filling your cup is the biggest thing. I had to really think about like, what fills my cup? I played soccer in college and I played abroad and I didn't realize how much of a void that was when I stopped playing because of COVID. And like, you know, to be honest with you, it's like trying to find ways of being active. Um, I was used to like, if my body was strong, mentally I was strong, you know, like that was a, that correlated for me or, or at least maybe it was more confidence building. And so when some of these things get, a, you know, you have to adjust, I can't play soccer every day or even twice a week anymore. You know, I had to think about like, what does it look like? to kind of replace that feeling of cup of competition of you know athleticism of you know and that made me feel good versus you know again sitting at home on my couch turning on the tv and just because i was bored or just didn't feel like you know again it's you have to kind of really think of like what fills your cup what is respite because like going and getting my nails done isn't something that's respite for me sometimes it actually stresses me out at times right like you're like oh go get a massage it's like well if that's not respite for you it's not it's not going to be the solution. So I think taking that time to think about what does actually fill that cup for you is actually a big, big deciding factor because it's not the same for everybody. That's right. And now one of the things I want to say is uh, the first time I actually came across Dog Tag Bakery was at the Bunker Labs. It was a muster that we were doing for the city leaders in D.C. Oh, okay, and yeah. It was in 2018 because I was nice. so fired up from that muster. I came <laughs> back and quit my job. Jumped out the airplane without a parachute. Let's do this. I'm going to take over the world. Right. There was a, a young female entrepreneur there. And I think she made these amazing, like, breakfast sandwiches, these, like, bre breakfast biscuits. Oh, and, from uh, Dog Tag? 
from Dog Tag, and Rachel. she was telling, yeah, Rachel. She was telling her story, and I wish I could have gone to the bakery. I haven't got a chance to make it by yet, but I just remember being such an impactful story. And then uh, I end up going to check out the website. I was like, oh my gosh, you yeah. know. And so for me, one of the reasons I was so happy to have you on this platform is they're so amazing. There's so many amazing programs out there, yeah. and we need a platform to kind of spread that information and, and you know get the word out because you know my my admin right Gabriella Bell right Rockstar. and her Rockstar. and her yeah one of her team members and Johnson they both say hi by the way um, they both came through yeah. the dog tag uh, fellowship program you know obviously Gabby went on to do the veterans and residents yeah. and so there's all these different programs out there and what I have found is you need them at different stages in your entrepreneurial yeah. journey, you know? Um, and you might come to one in a different space than you would another. You know, my my way into this community that we have was by Stanford Ignite. I didn't know anything about Dog Tag. I didn't know anything about uh, Bunker Labs or all these other Amazing. programs out there. Um, and so it's great to, again, have you on this platform. Yeah. And what we're, we're going to do for our listeners is yeah. we're going to share some lessons learned, you know, from all the, the entrepreneurs that you have, guys have brought through your program i think it's 156 at this point correct we have yeah nice amazing yeah we have yeah. so you've seen the good the bad <laughs> and the ugly and so there are a lot of people tuning That's in true. that are trying to get in the fight some are already in the fight and so sure. what we want to do is prepare them for success and so before we do that we yeah. got to take off our armor Let's and uh, i'll let you go ahead and, and go first so tell us about something that most people wouldn't know behind the scenes underneath all the armor Oh man, that's a good question. Um, well, I, and again, I don't know if this is, is comes across as directly. This is just I'll start this way: is that you know um, we you know we run the program we we do is because we're in the fight ourselves, um, and so like we are running a business and we're running are running an organization, and so our fellows see see the struggles that we have. You know, they they see the like if a team member leaves, um, or they see if sales go down. And so again, I think um, I've always wanted to, to kind of, it's the honest truth about our program is, is that you're going to see the good, bad, and the ugly, because that is, that is small business. That is entrepreneurs. Like there is, you know, one day can be the best of your life. The, the next day can be the, like the biggest stressor and both are, both are right. Like we said before, um, you know, and I think um, a lot of organizations start by saying, you know, we're super successful. We've had this many graduates you know, this has been a fight to kind of one, keep the program as we are as a small organization. We, you know, the smart program of 16 fellows only twice a year. Um, and I think, you know, we we're challenged constantly by individuals saying, you know, why, you know, why don't you expand faster? Why don't you shorten your program with more fellows to do, you know, be able to serve more. And I think it's come down to, you know, one of the biggest struggles I've had is that, you know, our co-founders are Connie Milstein and Father Curry, Father Curry is my mentor um, and he passed away in December of 2015. And, you know, the struggle to know the right answer has been one of my, my biggest challenges. And what I've learned is, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, there isn't, you know, the right answer. You only know the right answer when it's, you know, when it's hindsight. And the point is, is that even if you make the decision that, you know, considered to be the right decision, sometimes you realize um, the wrong decision is what taught you the most. And the wrong decision was just more data to take, to take those steps. So, you know, I, I think um, I think for myself is as a leader, what I've learned to kind of allow a lot to happen is to not know the answers and tell my team when I don't know the answers, because um, 
it's hard, it's hard to, you know, you expect yourself to, to know everything or have the right answers for everything. And once you start putting yourself in that category or on a pedestal, you become, you know, it's, you become less human um, and you le- become less relatable. At the end of the day, the hardest thing for me to tell my team is I don't know, right? I don't know the answer to this. I know we will figure it out though. Um, and it's more about, you know, building a confidence and process and planning versus a, a confidence in answers all the time, because, you know, we're called Dog Tag Bakery, right? One of the first things we did was we built on the second floor was a second kitchen because, you know, what we we're going to produce dog tag biscuits. Uh, we thought it was going to be 50 percent of revenue. We thought we were going to make a, you know crush it. And that was going to be how we were going to bring in you know a larger amount of sales than just the bakery, which is naturally a lower profit margin. The pet industry is the pet industry itself is a multi-billion dollar, 50 billion dollar industry. Right. It's the only industry that really made money during the 2007, 2008 crash because people are more willing to feed their, their, their animals than themselves. Um, as soon as we started, we recognized it was a massive branding issue. Everyone thought we were a dog bakery. People were bringing their dogs into the bakery. And there was a concern because there was dog food and there was human food. And uh, when people say, what's calculated risk look like? The calculated risk is this. We thought we had an industry. We thought we had, you know, ability to, to think differently and like bring in a, a revenue stream. What we realized is that, it's a massive branding issue and guess what we have never sold and will never sell our dog biscuits. Right. Like, and there's challenges, especially when COVID hit about how, you know, I think the hardest thing as a leader is being, you know, humble enough to not know the answers, but, but again, reassure your team that, you know, you you will collaborate with them or work with them to figure out the answers. Um, And, and again, I, I think it's something I'm continuously learning because I, uh, I want to know the answers and sometimes I'm not patient enough to, to give myself the space to do it. But, um, but, but that's the truth. Um, as an entrepreneur, like you're only going to find out by doing, and sometimes by doing you, you know, it's, you know, you, you have to learn from all, all the knocks. Um, but, but what we say is that it's not failures. If you don't learn, if you don't learn from them, they're called failures. If you learn from them, it's just experiences and experiences are data and data help you make better decisions. So, um, so yeah, I think that from my personal standpoint and from a dog tech perspective, like, you know, not everything's always worked out, uh, in the least, but the point is, is like the only way through is through. So if you build the right team and you're honest with yourself and your team, then, you know, that can gain confidence for others to do the same. And and then you build out a really strong, authentic narrative of, of a team and how you approach problems and solutions to problems versus, you know, reverse problems to solutions. I appreciate you sharing that and getting vulnerable uh, with our listeners and just hearing you talk. You know, I run a nonprofit in Newark, New Jersey, the trenches as well, (laughs) urban America. And I'll tell y'all, one of the things I had to learn, I'll take off my armor is, and it was, it was a journey for me, right? This idea of forgiving myself. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, high performer, Naval Academy grad, Marine infantry officer, you know, I, I came into this entrepreneurial journey thinking I was going to, you know, change the world through boxing and not necessarily realizing, hey, Mike, how about you change the world one block at a time um, in Newark, you know, and kind of bringing it down because you can get caught up in the social impact. We're successful as a block. And when things aren't working out like I thought they would, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I would beat myself up. But it took me a while and I want to buy a while. I mean, like this year, really, to really, truly understand that what we're doing it's trying to solve impossible problems, Yeah, you know, and we convince ourselves as entrepreneurs that we can, yeah. 
that we can alleviate <laughs> poverty, we can alleviate veteran homelessness, we can close the wealth gap. Right. These are impossible <laughs> problems that people mm -hmm. spend a lot of money and a lot more time, energy, and resources than we have, and they still haven't figured them out. So the idea that, you know, this entrepreneur is going to take this problem on the back of our shoulders and go out there and, and try to solve it themselves, yeah. you know, and we beat ourselves up when we make mistakes. But again, the forgiveness of like, this is impossible situations. You know, we don't have a revenue generating model at Ironbound yet. Strictly donations. Yeah. You know, everyone tells you what, Megan, if you're a nonprofit, you got to have a revenue model. Yep. You know, and sometimes I beat myself up I'm like, oh, man, I need to be out here. Da, da, da. But you know what? Just trying to figure it out like everybody else. And we're making impact because I yeah. see our kids. They don't carry the problems that we as the founders do. I mean, right. the leaders of our organization. Right, 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 right. Uh, but you know what? When I when I walk into my gym and I see them training and they're outfitted, I'm like, that's what it's about right there. You know, creating at the local at the most local and simplest level. You know, I think we all um, I think it's sometimes like you're out of like the excitement, the want to be part of the change is that sometimes we we all can go into savior mode. I'm here to save. Right. Here. Here are the solutions I'm going to give you to save to save, you know, you from the hardships. And I think the point is what you know, what you speak to and is like, like. We can all be part of the solution, but going in there. Uh, going in with the savior model is super dangerous because when you go in that, that becomes more ego driven about what you can do and how you can do it versus listening to what the needs are listening to like, cause we evolve situations evolve, you know, who we serve today is different than who we served five years ago in our program and the needs are changing. And I think just like you're saying is like, you have to have that grace with yourself. You have to have the, you have to have that passion though. If you don't have that passion, those, those bad days are, are worse and those good days are, are you know, are, are less. And so I think, you know, what, what the hardest part has been in, in my own growth and kind of what you're saying too, is it resonates with me is just, this is an evolution. Like we can't do it all today. So we do, you know, at different times, it's like my brother told me once planning is priceless. Plans are useless. Right. Because, and I, and I, and I don't want people to take that totally out of context, but it's all about the process of planning that allows you to think through all the solutions, think through the issues that are going to come up, you know, make sure you're adaptable. And this is, a, you know, for your own self, you know, self-evaluation and worth too, because as soon as you have a plan you put in place, the point is it's, you're going to test it. It's not going to, it's, you know, it's not going to 100% work. So if you can't handle the, when it doesn't work, you know what I mean? It becomes too precious. It becomes too much about what you want and that ego that we all have naturally just because uh, of wanting to do something or wanting to have purpose and wanting you become blind and deaf to what to what the needs are, because, you know, we might serve the best product, but if no one buys it. It's a moot point. You know, the same thing is you can provide the best program out there, but if it's not serving today's service members, spouses and caregivers, if you're not serving today's youth and the needs that they have today, then you're serving yourself. And that's like, that's some humble pie that people that we all need to take as leaders and running an organization. And, you know, that that is the hardest part is that knowing that you're not going to what work today might not work tomorrow. So you're just going to have to be willing to not have, you know, to, to adapt, but also recognize that you're human. And that grace is so difficult. But that word is like give others grace, but also make sure you're giving yourself that grace, too. So you've dropped a couple teachable moments for our listeners, right? So for all of y'all that are listening right now, I've got two things I want to say first. Number one, you heard Megan talk about their original business model didn't work out for a branding issue. 
So they had set their whole name. They had set everything based off their ability to sell these biscuits, right? And it didn't work out and they had to adjust, okay? So when we talk about pivot, you know, you were saying, you know, throw the plan out the windows. A boxer like me says everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Courtesy <laughs> of uh, Mike Tyson. So that's a real thing. So don't be discouraged. And this is what I want to say for those of you that are interested in the social sector. You want to start a nonprofit. You know, maybe you're already successful. Maybe you want to start a B Corp or something. Listen, no matter what you see on TV or on LinkedIn, nonprofit work is not sexy. It comes in waves. You might have that one moment where you're shaking hands with someone. But guess what? When that car breaks down and they need you out there to help them and fix them, you know, like it is not sexy. I know we like to sell this like, oh, I'm a social game changer. You know, I, wear my little, <laughs> I wear my little blazer and I give speeches and tell everybody how awesome I am. No, listen, I'm telling right. you, you will get punched in the face. But before <laughs> you enter this nonprofit sector, please, please, please make yeah. sure you got your coveralls, you yeah. know, <laughs> get your work boots. It's the truth. Because that's what it is. It's a grind. Uh, I mean, and again, I think it's all worth it. Right. I think the, the difference is, is that you can for a profit, nonprofit, B Corp, if you put the time in, mean, the different is the impact. The different is what fills your cup, like the ability to to connect with an alumni on a phone call and an email and just say, what's up? How's it going? That fills my cup and it gives me the energy and effort to do all the other crap I don't want to do. Right. I mean, it's just so we can't romanticize about the, the like, social change. One isn't easy. And two, it's also it's like it's not about you. And so, you know you have to kind of keep that in, in the mindset because it is a grind and it is day to day. You know, I'm sure Mike, for you, it takes almost everything you have every single day to do, to do the work you have. It's worth it. It just doesn't also, you know, it also just comes with stress and, and you know, frustrations and hard work. So, you know, again, it's worth it, but you can't go in that mind frame. It's like, I'm going to change the world and it's going to be great and it's going to be fun. And it's going to be easy. And it's going to, you know, and everyone's going to appreciate it. Yeah. So what I want to do is uh, I got to go ahead and give acknowledgement of what brought us here today, which is Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military connect community start their own business. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military connect community has the network tools and resources they need to start their own business. We know that 25% of transitioning service members want to start a business and they need places inside their community where they can connect with the people, resources, and support they need. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. Be sure to also register at Bunker Online, our social network for the Military Connect community, where Bunker Labs staff helps make connections to increase your opportunity. You can register today by clicking connect at bunkerlabs.org. Now, Megan, one of the things I think uh, I want to start with is the history of Dog Tag Bakery. And this is why, for those of you that are tuning in, I have, in my own entrepreneurial work serving underserved communities in Newark, I have come to learn about and appreciate the incubation model a lot more than the traditional, oh, we're just going to sit in a classroom, we're going to teach. Because a lot of times these communities that we're serving, whether veterans, military spouses, you know, service day veterans, in my case, urban youth, right? Having some kind of old school apprenticeship model where you get your hands on, whatever. And I think it was brilliant that you all did that. And I want our listeners to understand the value in going through something like that, even if it's not with dog tag, but finding someone that you can apprentice under. So let's start with so, the you know, dog tag. 
No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I appreciate the ability to tell the story and the history because, you know, some people are like, oh, what a cool idea you guys had. Like you guys had. First of all, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> That's the plain truth. I come from Marine Corps family. So my father served for 26 years. My sister served for six, both Naval Academy grads, 1968-94. Wasn't my calling. Um, and, you know, my dad said, you'll find your way to serve. And here I am today finding my way to serve. So, um, you know, when we talk about the history of dog tag, it wasn't just some cool, sexy idea that we thought, oh, hey, let's use a bakery as this, as this incubator. It's actually the culmination of two individuals and their life work. Um, and it's really about, you know, how do you find your, you know, how do you find your purpose? So Father Curry was born, Father Richard Curry was one of our co-founders born missing his right forearm after high school, went straight into the Jesuit community, became Brother Curry. Um, he, uh, again, born missing his right forearm, uh, actually had jumped into the theater, the theater um, area and actually went and got his Ph.D. from NYU. And to be part of his community and bring funding into his community and his, his support, he actually went to a commercial to gargle uh, over the radio. I think it actually was. Um, but gargle in general, just some mouthwash. And he went to it and uh, they saw his right arm that it was missing and they started laughing and they thought it was a joke. They thought someone had put him up to this. And then they realized it wasn't a joke and that they said, basically, I could never send you up for this audition. They wouldn't take me seriously. And so he walked away for the first time, like he said, um, feeling less than, although he did not feel less than. And, um, you know, he started a theater school called the National Theater Workshop of the Handicap because he recognized through his own, you know, obviously the Jesuit, um, you know, uh, education is that if he was feeling this, there's others out there that might not be as, you know, as fortunate as himself. And they might not have this access that he does. And so he actually started a theater school working with uh, people of different abilities in the art and craft of theater that started in Manhattan. He ended up building a school in Maine and it became workshops where, you know, people were coming to learn the art and craft of theater, of song and dance. And they would take that and move forward their life in, in that career. There are some of our people, you know, some individuals are just coming to find community. Right. Some individuals are just coming to see, hey, listen, for once, I want to stand on a stage. I want to tell my story and find my voice. Right. And I don't want anyone to interrupt me. Um, and he saw the power of that. He was also a baker. And so he started making these delicious, he used to call them luscious loaves and sent them out to his donors. And then he started the, having those that were in the program work and uh, and be part of actually the baking process, the telemarketing, the sending out, the shipping and handling, the you know supply chain. And he's like, wow, the impact this had on them of, again, people of different backgrounds, different abilities and, and needs being able to come together and, and build these, make these delicious loaves and send them out to donors as gifts. Like what, what the power of that is. And he recognized there's something there to this. At the same time, Connie Milstein, their co-founder, very successful businesswoman, but, you know, post coming out of law school, uh, a lot of her friends were, were being drafted into Vietnam. And so she saw what happened when they came home, both to a country that was not supportive of them to say the least. Uh, if anything, you know, breaking you know breaking her heart in the sense of knowing these individuals but also recognizing they were coming home differently as well and recognize there was a need for this um she actually had certain a bakery in mount kisco new york that worked on women in disadvantaged situations so when you know when a woman that was trying to you know whether go back to school start a bank account whatever it was they would come into the for-profit bakery get um, kind of social skills and social, actually social support and start getting back on their feet. So once they got back on their feet, they could build, you know, stronger financial support and they could move on and move forward. So 9-11 happens and both Father Curry and Connie got, you know, pulled into 
uh, being introduced to both military families as well as veterans um, or active service members with coming home to a new physical, emotional, cognitive reality. So Father Curry was coming to Walter Reed and Connie started having more military spouses, um, you know, apply for job at her bakery because the need uh, of support was was becoming greater. And, uh, you know, Father Curry started counseling young men and women, recognizing these are brilliant women, men coming home, new bodies, you know, new mental, new, new cognitive uh, realities. They're not going to, you know, volunteer just to go home and sit on their couch. Like, where's the opportunity after this? We have to build this. And this is not just about a hand out. It's about a hand up, right? Let's give them, like, let's make sure we can build the skills, the tools, the resources to take advantage of. And then they take those with them and they move forward. And Connie started seeing this with those military spouses coming into her bakery saying, wow, amazing, you know, amazing um, intuitive individuals that can come in and take advantage of this um, and, 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 you know, be able to support. So she actually became one of the, the start. She actually was the, the founding donor for Blue Star Families, um, specifically the survey that they launched, which is now a national, international survey to understand the military families and the needs of uh, and the lifestyle demands of, of our families that, that serve our country, you know, at home. And so both of them serendipitously came to D.C., Father Curry was actually, he was Brother Curry and age 67, wanted to become an ordained a priest in service of veterans specifically, which he was able to do in D.C. And that's became an adjunct professor at Georgetown. Um, Ms. Connie Milstein actually moved to D.C. to be more engaged in supporting the military families and the work that she wanted to do and seeing, you know, the policy that can be changed. Uh, they, she shut down her bakery. Father Curry shut down his, his school. And both were looking to start something in D.C. to support um, you know, utilizing a business in, as the bakery and utilizing education and resources to to really pull it together. So, um, again, this is the, the culmination of two individuals' life's work. This is their legacy, um, but it also shows the values based, you know, uh, of how we started. This was not about just a cool idea. It wasn't, you know, this was more about their life's work of seeing, of working with people in different needs of opportunity and recognizing when you, you teach a man or a woman how to fish, they can eat forever, and this is an opportunity today in, in this world of recognizing so many service members are coming home, so many family members are doing their best to, to feed the mouths of their family, but to, you know, to find their own purpose. You know, we, we can create change here, but in our community and starting in our community first before we go at this larger level. So they've co-founded um, Dog Tech Bakery, which is, again, based right here in Georgetown in Washington, D.C. And that's where we started. We started our first cohort were 10 fellows. It wasn't 30. It wasn't 100. It was 10. We graduated seven, recruited again, started with 11 fellows. We graduated 10, um, you know, and that's how we started. Now we're at 16 fellows. We're at 150, you know, 158 alumni. But our, our history was really rooted in recognizing what your core values are, finding out, you know, and finding your way of impacting it, not by doing everything, but by doing what you do really well. And both of them did, you know, have found that with dog tag and again, a lasting impact on our community, a lasting legacy for both father Curry and Connie uh, today and, and, and forever. One common theme I've seen from the fellows that I've met from dog tag yeah. across the board is this idea of that. Like they were at like a transitioning point in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we always think of the transition veteran is like right when they transition, you know, but there's a lot of life that happens, you know, yeah. and sometimes people, they're still going through their transition, you know, 10 years later, haven't really got their feet on them. And it seems like you all have really been like a launching pad to this like kind of new life for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And as somebody that's worked on entrepreneurial programs, that's a very, that's a nice uh, graduation rate, you know, in terms of people finishing and your program is a lot more demanding than most. Um, Mm -hmm. Am I not mistaken that the fellows have to be located in DC, that they move there 
They go through the program. They work in the bakery, you know, and they mm-hmm. participate in every aspect of it. So, yeah, and, and with COVID, it's changed because we've had a pivot to be virtual. Um, but what we've pivoted instead of having the access to actually working in the bakery front of house to back, we've actually you know pivoted to be business cases that our current, you know, um, business cases that we're trying to conquer, such as, uh, you know, this last cohort, we were trying to figure out what we would be doing for Mother's Day in regards to product. So one of the business cases is we'll develop and uh, develop product and a plan. And so they work their head chef of like, what can we create for Mother's Day to sell online? And so they work their chef with the product, the design, the cost. They work with our um, catering team on packaging, chipping, and how that would affect the cost of what it would look like. We work with our um, finance team on the budget of how much, you know, how much it was going to cost overall. What's the margin that we're going to have to put on top of it, you know, to price it out to actually make money. And then work with our marketing team of like, how are we going to pitch it? Social media, what does Instagram post look like? How are we going to gain, you know, uh, better reception of this, of all the other, you know, businesses and bakeries out there. So um, it is a more intensive process. You're, you work with every single team member that works at dog tag, each fellow has the opportunity of working with them directly, um, you know, in these different business cases to, to help solve for, for dog tag initiatives that we're working on. It's five months, it's four days a week. Um, you know, it, it previously was in person, but still to this day, it's 9am to 4pm. Um, but I think, you know, Mike, this is part of the transition space is that it's five months, you know, we all can fake it till we make it for, for three days, you know, for three days. We all can fake it to make for even two weeks. But what happens when you're starting to be, you know, same people consistently, you know, on the, you know, in the same, you know, whether it's Zoom breakout group or in person, you know, you also have to start facing yourself, right? It's this, it's the recognition of change doesn't happen overnight. And, and you need, you need to stop at one point, or you need to start, you know, at least facing, facing yourself and these bigger questions that are at hand. It might be like, I've always wondered why, you know, why I haven't, you know, um, you know, I, I did this profession before of in the service and I really don't want to do it anymore. And, and now, you know, I think I have some business ideas, but have you stopped to ask why? Have you stopped to ask, like, what does it mean? You know, in the military, this meant def- this, this, this is your definition of success. What is today's definition of success look like? Does it mean having a nine to five job? So on the weekends you can coach your kids soccer team, you know, does it mean your ability to, um, you know, to, to work in a, you know, to work, go back into the workforce and, and work in a small company where you can't have this entrepreneurial mindset and have, you know, greater, you know, be more involved. Is it have uh, ability of actually starting your business? And so that's not, you know, what happens just on one day of the week. It's, it's for five months, you know, you're meeting individuals that are in this space like yourself that are doing it and you, and you get these perspectives. And the goal is like creating a sustainable change is same time you're also practicing wellness every week whether journaling whether it's reflection whether it's finding your voice whether it's yoga or meditation whether it's poetry so you know again it's health is wealth and um the the part of what we're seeing and what we get from our data and our surveys as well is that one of the most impactful parts of our program is finding your voice it's a theater class it's every other week for three hours and it's the ability of sitting there and learning how to tell your story and sometimes recognizing that the story you've been telling yourself is actually only part of it. It's not the whole story, you know, and it's it's not therapy, but it is cathartic and it has therapeutic tendencies. Right. Of course. But it's also that community that you build during these challenging times of of struggle, 
that just like it's a boot camp, you know, like it's there's there's that ability of, of gaining trust of others, of building relationships that are authentic and real and allowing yourself to be seen, heard and valued sometimes again for the first time. Military spouses and caregivers are some of our most prominent in the sense that they've they've taken a back seat. You know, they're taking the same orders as that service member. They don't have a choice in that. And yet here they are for the first time being asked what they want. How do they define themselves as successful? You know, and that empowerment of being, like I said, being seen, heard and valued is game changing for all of us as individuals, as humans on this earth. It is it is game changing to have that opportunity and then to, to allow to be accepted for it is, is part of that challenge that, you know, the five months allows people to, to break down those walls and, and accept it as well. Yeah, five months. That's a big obligation. You can't fake it for five months, like you mentioned. One thing I gotta ask you is how are people able to generate income for themselves during this time? So people we, just go all in or there's a, a they getting stipends or what does it look like? So we provide a stipend every month. Um, we don't want it to be a financial barrier to be in our program. We recognize that five months is a long time. So our stipend um, you know, is again, you know, fourteen to fifteen hundred dollars a month um that each fellow gets. Um and the goal is that it can help uh, just pay for, you know, the full time not working. Um, although, you know, those service members that come into our program, they they do have to have a VA rating and not that we look at it. It's just to make sure that they have the, you know, medical, um, you know, cognitive, emotional support that the VA can and should be providing um, to, to support that. So. We also, though, realize is that, you know, education is we pay for the full cost of the Georgetown certificate, the textbooks, we pay for everything, the technology and laptops. Obviously, we cover all of that. Um, and so um, there has to be some skin in the game. You know, if, if you get everything for free, you, you literally don't know the value of it. I just, you know, if you came to the bakery, Mike, and I'm like, I'm buying you lunch and I'm buying you coffee, you'd have no clue of like the value of the cost of it. Right. And that's not you know, that's not your problem. But at the end of the day, it's like you might not eat the whole sandwich because you're like, well, you know, I don't really know how much it costs. What if I said it was like $60 versus 10? I mean, again, the point is this, is that, you know, there has to be skin in the game. And our fellows put skin in the game by dedicating five months. And in return, we, we dedicate and, and we live up to our promises that whatever you put into this, you know, you will get out. And we are, you know, we continue to build the most excellent program that we we know by looking at the data of our surveys, by talking to our fellows and by our alumni. And every cohort, we learn something new and we make changes because we need to stay relevant. You know, again, this is about who we serve. It's not what we what we think. Right. At the end of the day, yes, we build a methodology, we build structure, we build all of that. And there's a lot of, you know, again, research that goes into how you run a fellowship program in over five months in a way that can be effective. But at the end of the day, we have to listen to those that are in it and those that have gone through it to understand the value that they're getting out and making sure that we can really learn from that. I will forever be a student of dog tag. I will forever be a student of our program. Um, you know, you, sh- you should want that, you know, because if you're not curious, um, what's left, you know, if you have all the answers, then why are you there to include myself? So. I'm curious to know what kind of ventures do people tend to go off and and start once they come through the, come through the program? You know, um, part of our, our fellowship is that we say, you know, you decide, you define success for yourself. So it's not my goal to say, you know, for you to be successful in dog tech, this is what it looks like. Um, outside of saying like, you know, um, you need, you need to have that grit and moxie, 
You need to be willing to put yourself out there. Like you said, the vulnerability and courage. Uh, we talk about that every day. Um, and so what we've seen from our fellows that have graduated and our alumni, we've seen, obviously, we have, we have some really strong culinary, um, you know, that have come out of it that are small business owners and, and, you know, thriving. Some are, you know, at home as well, kind of doing their own um, cottage type of like licensing, working from home. But we also have those that are back, you know, building their own, you know, Gabby Bell is a great example, obviously starting her own a virtual um, executive assistant program that she started um, through the program, which was phenomenal to see. Um, but then we're also, what we're also seeing is, you know, the alumni are hiring each other in support. So we also have, um, you know, uh, Moni Focaines, she's running her own um, hair accessory for national hair. So I'll give you an example of, of kind of how our alumni are working together in the different industries Erin um, Roth is a phenomenal chef. She runs Miss Jo's Petite Sweets. Uh, she's actually an alumni of the in residence program at Bunker. She uh, just got picked up, uh, got a, a DM in her Instagram that said, "Hey, listen, we're going to host, we're going to do a show. We want you to be on it." She reached out. So Erin's from cohort eight. She reached out to Thelma, who's a, a recent graduate of cohort. Uh, 12 and uh, said, Hey, Thelma, I know you're part of her, her, her capstone in the dog tags fellowship was uh, actually started. She's in the industry of um, entertainment and she came, became Aaron's agent. So she looked at the contract. She joined phone calls with Aaron to help negotiate this contract with this, you know, uh, this new cooking show. Then Aaron reached out to Monifa, who again makes uh, hair accessories for natural hair. And Aaron is now on a Fox TV show um, and she is wearing Monifa's headband. That's a camo headband, um, and, you know, and is Thelma is her agent. So, again, um, our goal is allowing the, the platform for all three of those individuals to be successful, to gain the resources, the tools, the network to, you know, again, to, to take that dream forward. So, um, again, it's we have a farmer. Um, I mean, I, I could go through it all. We have, uh, you know, we have yoga instructors. We have um those that are now running their own professional coaching, Vince Lorian is running his own coaching program. So we have, again, some that have gone into, you know, started their own business of branding and licensing. We have both those that have gone back into the workforce and still have their side hustle, um, you know, of their, of their entrepreneurial ideas and businesses. So, um, you know, again, culinary is, is easy because that's the industry that we're in in some ways, but we by all means celebrate each, each individual's wants um, and, and idea of success and what that plan looks like forward. So, um, I think that's the most inspiring part of our fellowship. And what I get most out of it is recognizing that, you know, um, everyone, everyone has their own version of success and seeing that flourish by the time, you know, they allow that guard to drop, you know, month two is when you start seeing it and could like month, month three, you see some struggles of people just kind of fighting the fight because they, they're trying to hold up that, you know, whatever, whatever story they've been telling themselves. And then by four and five, you see them, you know, thriving in that sense and ready for that next step, ready for the graduation to come in some ways to move on and move forward um, because they recognize they can do it. Right. And it's not because we told them that it's because they earned it. It's because they did all the work. They put in the hard work. So one of the things I appreciate about what you said is, you know, success is different for everyone. It really comes from within. And one thing that we can both attest to in this entrepreneurial hustle these days, yeah, we call it hustling in Newark. Not in a negative way. It's just, you know, that's what we mean. Hustle. You figure it out. Right. But if we're only looking at entrepreneurship as the financial ROI, it's a missed opportunity because there is a social ROI with come that comes with being an entrepreneur. You know, that sense of purpose and that sense of meeting, you know, and I've just my personal opinion, entrepreneurship is the ultimate hero's journey. 
You know, somewhere along the way, we all want to step out and try to slay that dragon. You know? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, life happens and people don't go yeah. on the journey. And so there's that thing of do I have what it takes versus yeah. going on the journey, living the adventure, you know, getting yeah. the opportunity um, to, to, to slay that dragon, you know, rescue yeah. the princess or whatever. Um, and so I appreciate you saying that because I think one thing that we have to do that facilitate these kind of programs is empower the community to understand that like entrepreneurship isn't just a tech startup. And if you are a tech startup and you didn't make it, guess what? You're still all right. If you're doing your consulting or whatever, you know, yeah. and I, I want to create a space for that. So I appreciate you sharing it. Now, one of the things I want to ask you too is of the 156 entrepreneurs that you've had come to the program. I was yeah. telling Megan before we went live that I've done seven or eight incubators, accelerated programs thus far. I remember being super excited about the first one. The first one I did, there might have been like two of us that stuck with our <laughs> ventures, you yeah. know? And every time I go in this program, I'm a boxer. It's like showing up to a tournament. You look at somebody like, he ain't going to make it. Like, you already know. You're like, he ain't going to make it to the finals, you know? And I know that yeah. everybody's not going to necessarily stick with their venture or whatever. But I'm curious, you know, from you, the ones that stuck with it, that came into the program, launched a venture. Maybe they already had one when they came in or whatever. What was it that you saw made them successful? So what I'd say is one, they, they, they found where the need was. Right. And so um, I think some people come in with, with ideas and uh, like they found their niche. They found out why they were different than their competition. Um, and they found and they took the time to do their research. So we have quite a few individuals that come in and say, I'm going to start a nonprofit. My first, my, my first thing is this. Great. Go and research five to ten other nonprofits that are doing similar work that you want to do. And then come back to me. Right. Great. They come back and they say, OK, I'm ready to tell you these five to ten. And they say, before you even start, tell me how you're going to fundraise better than all of them. You know, to be able to start this venture. And it, the reality is this, that we don't want to recreate the wheel. Right. You don't want people coming in and just trying to recreate the wheel everywhere we go. And so when you look at those that have come through our program and they have gone through this process of, of really why are they different? How can they be successful um, and, and taking that time to kind of find their space in the market? Right. So I'd say there's 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 one. That's the reality check is that they realize that, you know, Erin is a baker. So there's tons of bakers out there, but she found her niche. Part of her story is phenomenal. Why it's called Miss Jones, but her grandmother, her story is impactful. But yet, you know, she she has found her niche and why she is actually different and how her, you know, how her business is actually, you know, why you should, you know, obviously go to her versus somebody else. But she knew that. And there's the hustle behind it. And I think that's the second thing. And you said hustle. I mean, we use the word all the time. I mean, the grind, whatever it is. It's that those that really are willing to put the time and effort into it. Um, it's scary to build a plan. It's scary to do that, you know, to, to actually do the work of realizing how much money it's actually going to cost. Like the reality of, of, of entrepreneur, like the, the building up of a plan, the building, the root is a lot of people are not willing to face it, right? They have an idea and I'm sure everyone will donate everything to them. And I'm sure they can reach out to the local community and they'll donate this to them and it will be very free. And the hard part is that you have to realize is that, um, there, you know, that you you are going to have to fundraise or you are going to have to find a way to fund this. It doesn't mean that's the only measure of success. Like we said, is being a multi-billion, you know, nonprofit. That's not the point. The point is, is that, you know, you have to actually the reality check of putting this into play is that you're going to have to think through how you're going to make this successful. Like I said, when we first started, we had these like um, 
we had these eclairs that we called tea eclairs because they were tea infused and we loved them, but they didn't sell very well. And so the question is that, do you keep them on the menu because you love them? Or do you take them off and put something on there that you know will sell better and like reading the market? And so those that have come through our program, it's in that sense that they've, they've won and then they started just doing it, right? So they, they knew their market. They knew that they'd be different. They had the grind to it. They were willing to have the passion behind it. And they started doing it in small ways. You know, they started putting it out to the universe that they want to start doing it. And then they started going out into their community, whether it was a farmer's market, whether it was, you know, attending an event and, you know, pitching their idea, um, they started that process because otherwise it just sits in your head and you ruminate about it all and you sit there in it and it doesn't become an action. And the thing is, is that all you are as an entrepreneur is you're constantly just testing the market or like testing out like what works. And the point isn't to be right. The point is to find out what works and what doesn't and then make the changes and then do that. Right. And then, and so that's also like that ability of recognizing, like you just have to start. And so I think, um, you know, taking that time to also just to flush it out is also part of it. It's, it's not just, you can't just go on passion. You have to go on the reality of the cost of it, of how it's going to operate and why you're different. So you can be successful. You know, I know everyone jokes. I mean, there's like what 46,000 nonprofits in the United States dedicated in service of veterans. Um, You know, I think that's, there's some, there's some miscounting there too. And I'm sure at some level, but the point is, is that, you know, you have to be able to recognize why you're bringing value and, and, and who you're serving and where the need is before you can go out um, and really do anything else. Yeah, you got you to gotta take your licks. Basically, that's what she's saying. She's saying get out there, get punched in the face, get woken up, and realize really? sooner rather than later what this, what this journey, what this hustle really is so you can get that out the way and start focusing on the stuff that's actually going to make you successful. Yeah. And what I'd also say is like, not everyone is meant to like be an entrepreneur by going out and starting your own business or starting your own nonprofit. Like don't put yourself in that bucket. If you don't, if you like, if you, if that's not meant for you, like that's okay. You can actually go work for work for a nonprofit and, you know, have this entrepreneurial mindset. You can go in and like develop a new, you know, different aspects of, of different ways of service or different programs that can start. Same with back in the for-profit, like you can still have this entrepreneurial mindset while working for somebody else or working in a, you know, another team oriented thing, not everyone has, you know, the capability as well, but I mean, not everyone is meant to go out and start their own business or nonprofit. Like that's okay. It's just give yourself the grace to know the difference. And like, that doesn't mean it's a failure. It means it's successful because you've actually listening to what, you know, you need and you're listening to like, what it's like, you know, again, you're setting yourself up and like reimagine, like reconfiguring your, your expectations. So that's another teachable moment we're going to drop for our listeners. Okay. Behind me, you got this book, Third Shift Entrepreneur. You got your day job. You got your family. You got your third shift, right? Nights, weekends, early mornings, right? You don't have to quit your job to bring your venture to life, right? And you need cash flow, period. Everybody needs cash flow. I don't care who you are. But again, if your value, if the value of entrepreneurship isn't just the financial return on investment, but it's that thing that fills you up, that makes you feel like you're, you know, you're doing something meaningful and it gives you a sense of purpose. That's fine. And you don't have to go in it full time. Another teacher one I want to drop is, and what Megan said is very important. You need to understand who you are, not who you're trying to pretend you are, but like who you are. And I will take off my armor again and say that, like, I think I'm like the solo entrepreneur. You know, maybe I'll have like a team of like five people max. You know, but I don't like managing a bunch of people. I like trying to figure out and manage myself, you know, 
and we start adding all this other stuff, right? But it took me a while to come com- to become comfortable kind of saying that. And so now mm-hmm. who do I gravitate to? I gravitate towards those thought leaders that write books and put their words out and whatever, because that kind of lifestyle where they built that audience and do that, that works for them. So I'm encouraging you all out there. Like you don't have to be the, the you don't have to set out on the path to start this hundred company behemoth yeah. million dollar company. If that's not who you are, you know, um, because this, what I try to tell people, this is the experience. It's not yeah. when you arrive, it's the day-to-day. And what does your day-to-day look like? And are you enjoying what you're doing? I would tell you, Mike, right now, I'm looking to hire, like, individuals to come join our team. Like, I have open te- open slots right now. And I'm looking for someone that has that grit, that boxy, that hustle, that wants to work. It has and like, appreciates working within an entrepreneurial organization, right? So the fact is, is, like, if you're not, you know, like if you don't have to like, again, do like you can come and work for a phenomenal company or organization that is going to value the fact that you, you have this entrepreneurial side, but also that you don't have to like, you're not leading it, right? You don't have to be in charge of it. You can be the value add to it. You can bring your skill sets and be excellent at what you do. Because I look for people that are excellent at what they do, because I know I can't be excellent at everything, right? I hire people to be excellent at their role. And when we, the culmination is all coming together, makes us excellent together. So I think that's also it. Like, allow yourself the grace to recognize that and say, Hey, listen, I have this idea, you know, this actually would work really well at this other company. Why don't I go apply there? I can show them what value add I'm going to bring to their company. And I can still live in this, you know, this space of being creative or being entrepreneurial and thinking about problem solving and finding solutions to to problems. So again, like I, we also encourage that in our program, like that's huge. I'm looking for excellent people every day. That's great. And uh, no, I mean, you're, you're spot on, right? Like, you can go in and you can find the industry that fills you up too. Like right. you said, 100%. growing entrepreneurial organization, teaching, delivering value. Boom. It's, that's like sign me up all day. Right. Now, the last thing I want to talk about with you, Megan, is your education, your curriculum. Right. So can mm-hmm. you talk to us a little bit about, about how you like, what is it? What does that look like? You know, because one of the things that we, we hear all the time is, you know, for those on the outside looking in, Right. I'm on the inside now. She ain't got to tell me nothing. But I know when I was first starting this journey, people think, do you need an MBA? Right. Do you need all this kind of stuff? I don't know business, you know. So kind of talk to us about how you were able to craft a curriculum for our community. And what does that look like? Yeah. And I I, like I'm going to put this like caveat out there. Like I think I I believe education is power. Um, And so I just think, you know, the, the GI Bill is phenomenal. You can you can you can you yeah, the, the service member can utilize it. The family member, the spouse, the kids, it's phenomenal, right? And I think the same time is that you want to use that for what for what you can actually take advantage of in a variety of ways. Um, I have my bachelor's in sociology from the University of Richmond. Um, I was fortunate to go there because I have two feet and I could kick a ball really well. Um, and I played soccer there and, um, but I love sociology. I love culture. I love like understanding it, like how we create societal norm. Like, I just love all of that. Right. So that's where I gravitated towards. I do not have an MBA. Um, I worked in finance for six years in New York city, um, in Manhattan. I worked at Lehman brothers that didn't go very well. We had a bit of a mortgage Mm -hmm. issue and that crashed. Uh, but I started as a receptionist and then I worked my way into becoming an analyst. I worked at Barclays. I worked at Macquarie. Um, I, I lacked purpose and I lacked, I struggled with what I was doing every day. And that's what led me to meet Father Curry and convince him to hire me. Um, 
So what I'd say in our program, it's, you know, if you're looking to start a business, you know, what I'll say is think about education as a tool. Don't think about it as the answer. Right. So what do you need to figure this out? Right. So if you have a business idea, that's the answer. You already have it. Right. The goal is how do I get there? How to become better informed on making decisions or better understanding? Because you don't need to be an accountant to know and to, to be able to start a business, but you need to understand your accounting. Right. And so how I would say as an entrepreneur, you should think about think about education as a tool and resources to make you better at what you're doing to inform you. You don't necessarily need to become 100 percent knowledgeable in every single area and that you're the expert, but you need to be knowledgeable in all of them to a degree that can allow you to make decisions. So when you look at education, ours is a certificate in business administration from the School of Continuing Studies. Right. It is a baseline in business. You're going to touch marketing, accounting finance, um, mark, uh, uh, communications, um, business management and business uh, and also another business finance class. Um, you know, all of those are core curriculum, right? It is a you're going to go through 15 hours of that study. There are tests, there are papers, there are a way of engaging. But at the end of the day, it's giving you a baseline, right? That allows you to make now more informed decisions. Now, if you want further education because of the work you're doing, go go forward with that. But I would say don't think just because you have your MBA now, you know, like that is the answer to figure out how to run a business. Like you should be thinking about any type of education. That's also like thinking about, you know, you know, whether you're going into different fellowship programs, like that's for leadership development. Like thinking about all of this education is not just an academic background. Education is experience. Right. It's talking with you, Mike. I mean, how many people would love to talk to you to learn all of what you've gone through? That's an education. And I think for entrepreneurs, like that's the best way of learning. The goal is you're not going to be able to experience everything. You can, you know, and I think, I think, you know, such as yourself, it's like the third shift and all the, you know, there are some phenomenal books out there that it's the same thing you're reading from others experience, right? So whether it's books or podcasts, such as this, like allow that to be part of that way you think about educating yourself as an entrepreneur versus like thinking of like what you should be doing. You know, in our program, we say, you don't, you should never shoulda all over yourself. Right. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have gone to MBA. I should have done gotten strapped, you know, it's wasted time. It's wasted space. So when you're thinking about your business plan, your business idea, whatever it is, think about the areas that you're strong in, right? They say everything, they say outsource everything but your soul. It's a bit aggressive, but the point is this, know what you're good at, know what you can deliver on, but know the areas that you're struggling in. So I have a certificate in executive leadership, in executive nonprofit leadership management. So that was a program through Georgetown University, through the McCourt School, McCourt School that I had, you know, hardcore program that I went through again, all the different aspects of running nonprofit from everything from, you know, storytelling to, to HR. And again, that was perfect because that allowed me to be a better leader and like recognize areas that one we're doing, which is great. That means it reinforced we're doing it well. And other areas I'm like, Oh shit, I didn't even know this was supposed to happen. Right. And that's not, again, you could sit there and be like, Oh, I should have known this. But I didn't. So what's the point? I know it now. Now I can make a change. You know, do like it's a Maya Angelou quote, like do the best you can until you realize you can do better and then do then do that. Right. And so, again, education from Georgetown, we recognize is that it's dipping your toes back in education. Not everyone needs to go back to a full, you know, two year, four year school. Sometimes a certificate program is in it. Sometimes it's, you know, a boot camp in that sense. But our program is really baseline in, you know, how to a foundation of business, what you need to know. And, you know, and be able to gather that and then make a decision from there of what what the next steps look like. I love that. 
I believe in continuing education. I'm an autodidact. I'm a self-taught learner. I didn't yeah. know that until I became an entrepreneur. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to move to Newark, and I want to coach boxing. And people are like, I'm moving for that. I was like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. So I started reading books and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And here's an interesting thing where I'm at in my entrepreneurial journey is I am rereading books now. Mm-hmm. You know, because I can come across a book like Seth Godin's Purple Cow, you know, in like 2017. <laughs> and it's a completely different space now that I've got my legs been beat up, jaw been broken, been knocked down. <laughs> you know, I dance with alligator, <laughs> you know, yeah. Muhammad Ali style, right? And he's he when Muhammad Ali said that quote, he's just saying, I got a little bit more experience now. So when you're able to go back <laughs> and look at these texts after yeah. kind of getting your licks in, you yeah. know, you're able to say, like, oh man, I'm kind of looking at this text in kind of like a new light. Or yeah. you even say people, I'm sure you probably have fellows that are like, Man, I wish I could go back through the program now. You know, because in the first time it was just so new to them. But I'm I'm willing to bet. And what I appreciate about, first of all, Georgetown is a phenomenal university. So kudos to you all for having them as a partner and being able to leverage that education. Um, But, you know, having that available to them and a lot of our community, that has to give them a sense of confidence too. you know, this sense of like, this is one of the best universities in the world. I'm able to go here and get this business certificate. I don't have it all figured out. But this is a small win that I can take with me the rest of my life. 100%. And, and, and again, when we thought about building our, our organization up, it wasn't just about like a quality opportunity in education or quality you know, business incubator, right? It was the best fucking bakery out there, right? You come into the bakery. It's beautiful. We're scratch bakery. We make everything fresh in house. It is amazing. It's fantastic, right? And the same thing. It's not an education, right? It's the best education. It's Georgetown level education. And, and, and it's exactly that, Mike. Part of our program is this confidence building, right? And like, how do you measure confidence in some ways? But like, you know, we had 13 cohorts graduate. One of the hardest classes is accounting. And it's not because it's any harder than any other class. It's just the comfort level people have, right? And, and the fact is, is that if you can go through a program and it's, again, dipping your toes back in school and you can say, I, you know, you have to pass all seven, all, 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 every class. If you pass six of the seven, you don't graduate. That's just how it is. I mean, that's that's the reality of the program. That's the reality of educa- that, that, the, the coursework. You have to put the time and effort in. And you have to pass all seven. So you do earn it, right? I, I'm not going to say, hey, Georgetown, can you just let this one slide? That's not going to happen. Nor would I, to be honest with you, because it's that's it's about the integrity of this program. So everyone that's gone through a program has earned every bit of it, right? I, like we said, day one, whatever you put in, you will get out. So they have earned this graduate and they are Hoya. And they will be a Hoya till the, you know, till the end of end of time. And I think that pride is 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 earned. And it's and it should be earned and, and it has been and it should be suppressed, you know, celebrated. So, again, even if, let's say, you don't take anything away from rotation or the learning labs or the wellness piece or the capstone, you take nothing away. The one thing you can take away is on your, you know, on that resume and on your, you know, how you interview or the business that you start, you will have Georgetown on on there. And that is a tangible result of the program. It is a tangible result of the work that's been put in. And it does have implications and positive implications on what it can mean for your future. Um, so education is power and that ability to to take advantage of it and what it can and what it can provide for you and your family and your community. That's a great core and accounting. Listen, I'm still struggling with account. I had to hire an accountant out for it. Um, but again, at but least- you know your books, right? The fact is this: like, if you just had someone come in and say, "Figure it out for me," like the again yeah. is like you can't make a financial plan without you, you can't make a strategic plan without your financial without your financial plan attached to it. You know what I mean? Like. You don't have a luxury of not knowing. 
right? So you have an element, you understand accounting to what you need to understand it for. And again, like, that's the point. You have to know your finances just as much as someone says, well, I don't really like, you know, speaking in front of others. It's like, well, you're going to have to learn to speak in front of others because if it's not you, who is it, right? If you don't want to be the face of it, someone else has to be a face of it. So that reality is that, you know, it's like you have to find your, but you have to find your authentic way of doing that across the board um, because otherwise it's, you know, it's, it, it won't feel comfortable and it won't feel like it's yours. So right now, We've got veterans and military spouses tuning in from all over the country, all yeah. over the world. What words of encouragement would you like to leave them with as they continue on their entrepreneurial journey or words of advice? So anyone that goes through dog tag will probably make fun of me, but one of my favorite quotes is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And, you know, this is the notion of, you know, if you've been so fortunate, you know, the goal is to reach out to others, build this. We work with bunker labs, right? Because like we said before, some people, it makes more sense for them to go to the, go to bunker labs, you know, post our post our program. Some have actually gone even before it. Right. But the point is like, there's this ecosystem. And so the whole point is that you're not going to have all the answers. And, and again, for you to assume that you will is just an unattainable task. And you'll always feel like you're failing because, you know, it's, it's just something that you're never going to attain. The point is building a network, building a community, building that outreach. You know, when I've been fortunate to have a mentor, you know, I recognize that I had that opportunity and I, you know, I am fortunate for it. So I reach my, my hand back out. And when I move forward, I pull people, I pull those with me. Right. And that's the whole point. As you're on this entrepreneurial journey, recognize that you might have a brilliant idea, but that, you know, the ability to build building partnerships or building mentors or building peers in the space will allow you to be better at what you do. And, and again, it will allow you to be more competitive in what you do. So don't expect yourself to do this alone. And if you do, it's going to be ex- exceptionally lonely. Like I read, um, and I think it was like in 2019, but it was talking about how I think you were the only officer and there was like 50, the, uh, 50, you know, 50 enlisted in the Marine Corps and you were the only officer and it was a lonely time for you. And that's kind of when you kind of gained your like entrepreneurial um, understanding was maybe through the Marine Corps and that like it is a lonely journey at times, especially when you're running it, right? Even in nonprofit, because you don't have, you can't, you can't have the same conversations with your colleagues that some of the larger decision-making, but, but you can't have it with peers and you can't have it with mentors and you can't have it with, with your tribe or with your community or whatever, you know, whatever, which way you're most comfortable in defining. And, and I'd say like, that will take you further. I'll tell you, um, it is very lonely. Entrepreneurship is very lonely. And that's why we have this platform. So while people are out there baking their goods, you know, (laughs) training clients, whatever they're doing, they feel like right. they don't got a lot of people, you know, the words of encouragement, whatever. We have platforms like this to, you know, yeah. let them know to keep going and keep moving forward. So I appreciate you for spending this time with The Bunker. Where can people follow you? Um, where can they sign up for the fellowship? Any information about that? And uh, how can we as a community support the efforts at Dog Tag Bakery? No, I, t- I completely appreciate that. I mean, uh, so you can go to our website is dogtaginc.org. Um, and then you go under, you know, our program and there's a, there's ways you can find out, you can see the current fellows, you can see all of our alumni. Um, and then there's a, there's a also a link to be able to apply for the next cohort, which we actually have just opened, uh, for the January session, which is exciting. Um, if you go to dog tech bakery, you can check out, um, on LinkedIn, I mean, on, um, on Facebook as well as Instagram, check us out. We're also on LinkedIn on dog tech. So you can check in, And again, what we are trying to also post is more and more, um, 
you know, videos and inter interaction with both our fellows as well as alumni. So you can actually understand who's in our program, what it looks like, who's who's part of the organization, the culture of who we are. Um, and so if there's any questions, you know, don't ever hesitate to reach out. But um, again, I'm, I'm, I feel exceptionally grateful and, and humbled to be part of the community that we are, you know, that we have here. And Mike, again, like, you know, I get so much energy from hearing your story and how you're handling it. And, and in that sense, it's like, it's also, like you said, it is, it is, it can be lonely, but, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there to, to support each other and to recognize is that, you know, again, if going, you know, going together, we always go further. And so, you know, um, I hope I hope I hope we can we can do some of the dog tagging and uh, and working with you in in the demographic you serve and, and what you do at any point in time, you know I'd reach out my any opportunity for that and any support that we can provide you and continue obviously our partnership with Bunker Lab, you know we're happy to continue to push out those the applications for in residence we're, we're super proud Monifa Kane's just gotten to the most recent one we've had um, you know we've had about four or five already go through it so um, I think you know again, this ecosystem that is so necessary to build because uh, we can all we can all find our way to serve. Absolutely. So again, you know, one of my goals, this platform is to impact 10,000 veteran entrepreneurs, military spouses can't do it alone. So it's let's a pleasure this. having you here. And uh, let's keep growing the ecosystem for our <laughs> listeners. Check out Dog Tag Bakery. Um, spread the word about it. You heard she's looking for some from employees. She's looking for staff. We got to keep these programs alive, y'all. And so again, now let's get the word out. And uh, for everyone else, make sure you subscribe and tune into the transitional iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. We'd greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network who you feel can benefit from the information. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, sign up for the local newsletter, and attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. From there, get connected at Bunker Online, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Register today by clicking connect at bunkerlabs.org. Megan, thanks again for joining us. And until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. <laughs>